I really, really hate to say this, but good job, Alex. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. Way to go, King. I'm proud of you. But I've also just stepped it up to the plate with a, with a Motorsport 101 intro. I'm very proud of you. Welcome to episode 301 of um, episode of Motorsport 101. I'm your friendly neighbor host, Dre Harrison. Hope you guys are having a good one. Um, and hope you guys are enjoying the after party from episode 300 with uh, all the dancing girls and the blackjack and um, us launching a rocket into space. It was a monumentous occasion. Um, I hope you all really, really enjoyed that. I'm still recovering from the waterfall of absinthe is ryan king how you doing sir <laughs> yes yes i can't believe uh someone who devastated me on iRacing is currently leading the indie car championship <laughs> <laughs> i you know if you follow us on twitter motorsport 101 i may or may not have put after that first win last week that uh once we knew that Alex Palou beat Ryan King in iRacing. We knew he was on to great things. A week later, first win. <laughs> Perfect. Beautiful. I could not have timed that one any better. I was really proud of me uh, in my rare moments as a social media admin to put that into the world and just channel the energy on that one. I mean, how did you feel about it, King? I mean, you had to have loved that one, surely. Have to admit, it was a great drive. <laughs> no, no complaints uh, for for someone only in their second year in IndyCar. Amazing. Uh, though I have to say, though just just so I don't get a lifetime ban, if there was a situation again where we were racing wheel to wheel and I racing, I might run them a bit closer, maybe into a wall. Uh, <laughs> but again, I might. What a uh, spoil sport. <laughs> I didn't know Scott Speed was sitting in the replacement chair for this episode of the recording. Uh, <laughs> you dirty, dirty Damn. driver king. Like, 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 let's just say, most people one says on the record, please do not punt people into walls while playing iRacing. Let's play sim racing hard but fair, okay? We do not condone Ryan King's potential tactics here. Um, drive safe and wear a seatbelt, as I used to say in all those Need for Speed games. Stick to the rules of the road, etc., etc. RJ O'Connell, how you doing, sir? I've got my lucky cup for uh, for a double nice. dose of IndyCar discussion. I again miss Barber Motorsports Park with all my booing. King, you know what this means? You know what this means that you've uh, that you've only been defeated by a future IndyCar Series points leader is that you can now market yourself as a jobber to the stars. <laughs> You're just there to put the guys over that are going straight to the main event, brother. Yes, I'm here to gatekeep the Astor Cup. You get by me, you have an IndyCar championship in your future. He's the Thomas Lutie of, Indy, of IndyCar right here. You get past Lutie, you're getting into the big boy class. That's how it goes. King is now... You're the Dolph Ziggler of iRacing IndyCar. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bispin, the Dolph Ziggler, the Thomas Luti, the Alicia Spargaro. It's uh, King is the new gatekeeper of Motorsport 101. It's an important role, King. It's important, you know. You're valued here, you know. Now you know that if they get past you, they're onto greatness, you know. It's 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 all good. It's important. Speaking of which, Wolverine is here. With us. Hello, Cam. How's it going down there? <sighs> You know, I'm a simple man. I like simple things. 
I like my top sports car class to not be a festering nightmare. Mm-hmm. And my chicken wings cooked properly. And in the last 24 hours, I've received neither of those things. <laughs> I am mad as hell and I am not going to take it anymore. <laughs> you bit but, into uh, a raw chicken wing. I mean, oh, that yeah. shit was so... That that chicken was that, raw. That, that, that was still... That bitch was still clucking. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. It's the old catchphrase from Gordon Ramsay on Hell's Kitchen, and it was like, "This chicken's so undercooked, a decent vet could still save it." Um, yeah, it's just like, okay. oh no, it's like, I, uh, just saying uh, in advance in the news section. It's a brief news section on this on this episode three hundred one. There's only two bullet points in it on our script, and one of them is literally, and I'm reading this out directly off the top, Cameron Buckley versus the ACO. We don't have No, because it's not just me. It's not just me. It's <laughs> everyone. Because everyone is mad about this. Cam is the people's representative of people against the ACO. We don't have a lot of solo monologues on this show very often anymore. We may or may not have dedicated one to Cam Buckley later. Just, uh... Throwing that one out there, it, uh, it could be a lot. Uh, so look forward to that, or run from it um, later on in the show, depending on how you feel about you know sports car racing in general. But as we may have alluded to on episode 301 this time around, uh, we're going to be talking about IndyCar. Now, as mentioned last week, that uh, what we're going to do is we're going to put the first two races in IndyCar together and get it all out of the way as a season so far, like we did with MotoGP earlier in the year. We're going to put them together and we're going to talk about the season so far. So that's the opening two rounds of Barber and St. Petersburg we had this past weekend. Two exciting winners. Um, one, again, a first-time winner in Alex Polo at... Uh, Barber, watched to King Chagrin, and uh, again, Colton Herter, um, who had near to as a perfect a win in the series that you will ever see in your life. Um, yeah. Like, dominance in IndyCar is a rare thing that probably should be celebrated. When you lead 97 out of 100 laps in an IndyCar race with multiple cautions, Pretty special, if you do say so myself. And so much so that people in other series are, are, may or may not be keeping tabs on this. We'll be talking about that very shortly as well. Um, so all of that, the rookie class, um, some bumping some, some bump and banging, some incidents, all of that in the next 45 minutes or so. And Cam versus the ACO, because God bless us all. It's It's been a rough time to be a sports car fan. Um, so... With that in mind, 500 kilometers uh, Super GT's marquee event is next week, this coming Tuesday. You should tune into that if you got a motorsport TV sub or if you know where to look. (laughs) I I like that that I mentioned that sports cars are on fire, and RJ's like, "Here's some Japanese Super GT. We're gonna try and save it." Nobody, (laughs) nobody, nobody despises Super GT. No, of course not. They they despise that you have to pay ten dollars a month to watch it now, but they don't hate the series. No, who doesn't love Super GT? It's true. People who are wrong. They're running to the scene of the accident with their small bucket of water trying to put out the flames. I appreciate the effort. I really do. 
So let's get the general housekeeping out of the way, places you can find us. If you're on YouTube, hi, thanks for watching, or at youtube.com forward slash motorsport101. Subscribe, hit the bell when new episodes come out, and all of that good stuff will be doing some slicey slicey with editing highlights and little segments here and there coming up soon as well i promise i'll stop doing that now uh so as soon as king gets the full-bodied episode out there we can have some more highlights too for those who maybe don't want to sit down for an entire hour completely understandable um or on social media as well on facebook.com forward slash motorsport 101 we're on twitter at motorsport underscore 101 our personal handles are on the screen if you're watching this on youtube and if you're not um that harrison 101 hd at rj o'connell at ryan eric king and c buckley 917 we're on instagram dot com forward slash motorsport 101 pod very nice rj very conveniently timed beautifully done including um an intro where i was uh kicked out of a European Super League by my fellow podcasting brethren, um, it, 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 it was uh, about as enjoyable as you might expect. I uh, put that on my personal Facebook. The, uh, the, the, the friends loved it, so I'm glad they got a laugh out of people. Um, so if you enjoy that and a bunch of other content on there, you can as well. Motorsport 101 Pod on Instagram is exactly how you think it is spelt. And if you really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. $5 gets you early access to all of the audio versions of the show before they come out to the general public you can upgrade to ten dollars to listen to them live as they're being recorded on youtube as well as the supporters club access to our discord server for a bunch of extra bonus perks and whatnot as well and of course you get all the video versions on demand before public release as well so that's all that good stuff in there as well so Without further ado, let's get into the main event of the show, and that is our two IndyCar races, Barber and St. Petersburg. IndyCar is back, baby! Defy everything! Let's start in Birmingham, but not Birmingham. There's a difference. Birmingham, Alabama, leads Alabama. Barber Motorsports Park. Alex Pillow in his first race with Chip Ganassi wins at Barber ahead of Will Power and Scott Ditson. After the field split between two and three stop strategies, it was a fun strategic battle. It was a better race than people give it credit for, as is most Barber races. Pato Award, the pole sitter, was the fastest of the free stoppers. He led 25 laps after starting for the pole, but he ultimately lost out due to slow pit stops and finished in fourth. Uh, early in the race, right off the first lap, Joseph Newgarden clipped the grass, started a huge chain reaction wreck, took himself out... Ryan Hunter-Ray, Colton Herta, Felix Rosenquist, not pretty, everybody okay, of course. Ryan Hunter-Ray, by the way, he, he he took a tire right to the arrow screen. Yeah. We're glad that that's there, by the way. Yeah. 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 Maybe the most uh, maybe the most graphic instance of the arrow screen doing what it's there for. Absolutely. Uh, one driver and one of our three super rookies in this field, Romain Grosjean. In his debut with Dale Coyne and Rick Ware Racing, cracking the top ten in his debut race. And that was all well and good, but we only had a week to digest that because it was off to St. Petersburg, Florida. Not St. Petersburg, Russia. Again, big difference. St. Petersburg, the Monaco of Florida. Because it's got a stake and shake, too. Colt Burma, <laughs> 97 laps led out of 100. He was, per he was as perfect as you could get in a race. Um... He finished his head of Joseph Newgarden, who kept it close to the end. Simon Pagano third. That's a good bounce back for both of them. Uh, this was a bit argy-bargy. Graham Rahal tried to lunge at Alexander Rossi's car. They banged wheels, banged the wall. 
Uh, Rossi finished 21st and two laps down. Friend of the show, Remy Connors, was not happy about that at all. Who can blame them? <laughs> Joseph Newgarden was second after an alternate tire restart that didn't work out. Jack Harvey starting on the front row, turning into fourth. Friend of and, the show. And you don't Will know Power, Jack. <sighs> Will Power after qualifying down in 20th gains 12 spots and finishes in eighth. Good way to bounce back from this weekend. Trey, this is a fun couple of races. Where do we they want were. to start? Yeah, they were a fun couple of races. I mean, like I think it's safe to say none of them were absolute all-time classics. But, you know, this was just good old solid IndyCar. And good old solid IndyCar is still better than, like, 90% of most series. If anything, they've had a bit of a bad rap because F1's had an abnormally good start. Which is like the obvious comparison mm. given what we cover on this show. Um, because normally F1's had at least one stinker by now. We're like, yeah, IndyCar's awesome. And it's like, well, no, everything's been kind of awesome so far. Um, so, you know, we're not We're not used to things being this good. We're spoiled! Yeah. We're spoiled for choice, for a change! How do we handle this? <laughs> By breaking it down with smiles on our faces rather than groans and general dismay. Um, Someone is kicking mad burnouts outside somebody's house, and I appreciate that very much. They they were obviously channeling the spirit of Colton Herta at St. Pete, which I think is the perfect place to start talking. Because it's the most recent victory, and he was so good, he's got people talking on the phone. <laughs> That's what King. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Colton beat him down. Uh, this was a beat him down by IndyCar standards of monumental proportions. He started from pole, his fifth career pole position in IndyCar, uh, and then led ninety-seven out of a hundred laps. Like I cannot remember if anyone's ever led ninety-seven percent of the laps in an IndyCar race. Ever, as far as I can remember. Um, Not recently. Um, that's, I want to say the uh, last time that anybody dominated a race that thoroughly was like Rossi a couple of years back at Long Beach. But the thing is, like, hmm. Long Beach is much, at Long Beach, it's much harder to overtake than it is at St. Pete, where you have yeah. the runway front stretch that funnels down. You can at least pass there. There are passing opportunities at St. Hmm. Pete that there aren't in, uh, but. All the kidding aside, Colton Herta just thoroughly dominated that race, even after two late cautions where Newgarden could have easily jumped him, and he just couldn't get around. Yeah, they. Put, yeah, Newgarden they, threw the house at Herta, and there was just nothing he could do to really get by. Yeah, worth pointing out that Newgarden was on the sticker reds at the end of the race, so he was on the sticky attire and still couldn't get close enough to mount a pass. That got close a couple of times, but Herta always seemed in complete control. It was a masterful performance. It's like he'd been driving in the series 10 years. This is year two for Colton Herta. For a man born in 2000. <laughs> yeah, well, year three, I should say, yeah, but it's, 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 it's barely year three. You know, he's, he's still... Twenty, only in his baby twenties. He's a baby. He's, he's, he's a baby relative to a series which has made its name off experience. And this is year three. He's coming off finishing fourth in the championship last year, and now he's beating everyone in a stacked field comfortably. That's a terrifying thought for everybody else involved. That Colton is that good. Say welcome. Uh, uh... Welcome back to the four, Andretti Autosport, because mm. uh, there wasn't much of this last year with any of those cars with that team. Mm. Mm. 
Most certainly. Um, we, we talked about it in our season preview. They have built a juggernaut of a team, and it's already starting to show. And if Colton... like. You know it's mad when some of the journalistic sites are now saying that Herta is basically the leader of this team. And, well, if you're basing off last year's championship and now, there's a case. What have you done for me lately? He's done the most lately out of everyone there. Yeah, there is a case you could make on that, given, you know, we, we gave Rossi a genuine pass for 2020 because of a lot of his... A lot of the wrecks he was involved in were not the fault of his own. It was... He, was, he, was, he, had, he had horrendous luck, but... It looks like Herter's knocking on the door of being at that level, which is title contender level. You know, so there's there's a lot to look forward to there. And th- th- this went a bit further because, I mean, I think me and King can certainly relate to this. It's like the moment someone does really well in IndyCar who's new in a fesh face, the F1 comparisons immediately start rolling, and it's like, oh, here we go again. It's that time again. You know, it's like, it's like, it's, and, and annoyingly, it's like Andretti's kind of leaning into this talk a little bit, because I know Michael Andretti said that if Herta wanted an F1 seat, Michael would not stand in his way. Um, Colton said himself that, hey, if, if Ferrari came calling, you know, <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, he consider it. Um, you know, as you say, you know, maybe not straight away, but maybe a junior team, and maybe go into Ferrari later. He's he's very humble. Cause he's like, I, I don't want the Ferrari seat right away. I can wait a little bit. It's not, it's not a rush. Yeah, you know? I, I like the way they're playing into this. Uh, <laughs> they are, they are, because I don't, I don't think they're particularly serious about it. Yeah, because they they know it's it's great marketing. Yeah, they know it's not going to happen because mm. no. Ideally, if you're in a position to to move directly from IndyCar to F1, it's going to be a step down because you're not going to move to uh, a, one of the big three teams in Formula One. So you so you literally have to take a step down to the back of the field and then work your way up again. And no one's willing yep. to do that. Yeah, no. yeah. There's no reason why you take that step into F1 where you just uh, well molly whopped everyone. Ninety seven <laughs> out of a hundred laps led to go run around sixth and potentially get hit by a uh, rogue Mercedes or Williams. <laughs> yeah, it's... it's it's yeah, Again, like I said, we've seen this a dozen times. We saw it with Alex Rossi. He leaned into an F1 return when he first got back, got into IndyCar and was pretty much good right out of the box. The, the same talk, I was like, yeah, I'm just using this series as a stepping stone to get back into F1. And then... When he realized the F1 door really was closed, it's like, I'm just going to get good at IndyCar instead. And, well, he got good, safe to say. But um, mm. I, I did find it quite funny that uh, the Andretti camp was definitely leaning into these rumors a bit more than yeah. usual, rather than just saying, what the hell are you guys talking about? Like, Chris Medlin... We, we have fun them. here. Yeah, like, Medlin, it was even, like, on Twitter saying, I know that for a fact that at least one team principal is keeping tabs on this, and I'm just like... It's cute and all, but would you actually really want to go to be an F1 midfielder? There is that's like the least appealing job out there in motorsport. It's like But Dre, Formula One is the pinnacle of motorsport. <sighs> we haven't seen anybody legitimately make the jump from IndyCar to F1 since Sebastian Bourdais 
who mm. won four straight national titles to get a Toro Rosso drive that he was cycled out of in a year and a half. It really is all about the opportunity. Jacques Villeneuve and Juan Pablo Montoya jumped right into winning teams right out of the box. Mm-hmm. People yep. like Cristiano D'Amata and Sebastian Bourdais, on the other hand, no, those opportunities. No, no, no. Neither. It was a winning budget with Toyota, just not a winning uh, anything else. Yeah. So it's mm-hmm. it's got to be something competitive, and, and I agree with everybody else. It, it would be cool to have someone take the IndyCar to F1 step. It would be cool to have another American driver on the F1 grid, but... They really got... It would be too much of a sacrifice. There's too many circumstances that that have to go right. For for Colton Herto, his biggest benefit is time. That he could, again, take three years out of a career in IndyCar, come back, and not really miss anything. Yeah. If it doesn't work, he's still got plenty of time. Yeah, and we know... One, he's pretty good behind yeah. the wheel of a racing car. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's been established, mm-hmm. and um, you know, feelings of nepotism aside, he's a herder. He's always going to have a place in IndyCar somewhere if something else doesn't work out. Yeah, yeah, um, certainly, uh, you know, certainly, he's got. I mean, the kid's got a whole sort of aspirations. Then we, we are still talking about a guy that's only twenty years old at the end of the day. Like as, as King says, he's got all. What the were time you doing at twenty? Um, you know what's scary? He only just turned 21 at the end of March. <laughs> last month. It was 21 last month. I was in the middle of a university degree I did not like, trying to score a date with a girl that didn't like me. Um, and not doing much else besides, you know, making mediocre Formula 1 2013 videos on YouTube in a packed house and not liking people that put girls on thumbnails. It was a strange time in my life. Um, <laughs> King knows what I'm fun talking fact. about. <laughs> fun fact, Ray. Fun fact, Ray. As I was going through my Chrome uh, bookmarks, mm. Harrison 101 on YouTube was bookmarked because I didn't have a YouTube account at the time. Oh! <laughs> That's the cutest shit I've ever heard in the 300 episodes I've been on here. That's so that's adorable. So, that's so precious. Yeah, yeah, that's how long. That's how long it's been since I used Chrome. Been, yeah, we should. We should have mentioned Harrison One Hundred and One as uh, as part of our concrete tech creators that we've been checking out over the last three hundred episodes. Great. I know. How did how did we miss that one? I mean, I don't know how oh. anybody could have mentioned that. So underrated. Oh my god. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah uh, Colton Herta, pretty good at this whole driving a yeah. car thing. Yeah. Um, Andretti, very competitive again, at least with a couple of the cars. We'll get to more of them later. Mm. And uh, my championship pick, not looking too bad right now. Yeah. Not at all. He, not ne- at he all. needed that. Uh, he, him and Joseph needed that after Barber. Yeah. Picks. We should probably talk about that. Yes. Mm. Um, King, why don't you start us off and talk about Alex Pelou's tremendous, brilliant, well-strategized <laughs> win at Barber. The, you know, it, I'm sure you've been <laughs> eager to get these feelings off your chest for weeks. <sighs> so, <laughs> and admittedly, everyone thought that the Dark Horse had a stronger chance than... Uh, then initially realized where it's like, okay, maybe, maybe this bold strategy from our friends at, uh, 
Arrow McLaren Smith Peterson could work well for Pato Award, and Award could be in a position to win this one. Yeah. Uh, Shock Horror strategy didn't work out well. It was actually not a threat for the win. Yeah. <laughs> no one's not catching below. Really. No. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, Pato Award for all the blistering speed he showed in qualifying. Well, that speed really was blistering because he destroyed his tires in the first stint so quickly that he had nothing left to fight with and had to switch to a three-stop. Mm. I think that I think that was always the plan. And, and a three-stop strategy is viable because that usually is the thing with Barber. It's right on the borderline of where you can sacrifice an extra pit stop to make the extra pit make the extra speed on a three-stopper work. Uh, but you can also make a two-stop strategy work. But the thing is with the three-stop strategy is that you have to execute your pit stops just right. And unfortunately, AMSP just didn't do that all the time when they needed it. It's a I shame just... because O'Ward, especially in his last stint as he was closing in, looked like he yeah. had the speed to snatch podium off everybody. But uh just didn't work out. But I'll tell you, his speed the, is real. The, the Great Wall of Dixon prevented that podium lunge. But, uh... <sighs> Alex Pillow just, he woke up and chose violence on everybody. <laughs> he got into the lead and never once looked like he was going to relinquish it. Because he could keep all of that lap time that Pato could do and more, but he kept his tires going well into the race. Yeah. It's, and you know what? It's easy to work out from a strategy standpoint at home because Bob is a 90-lap race. So you could you knew exactly what was coming once Pato really went past lap twenty twenty two, um, and you, you could see what was going on where Pato had to come in early, and then it was like, oh, hang on, Palou staying out must be a two stopper, and of course lap thirty one, uh, in he goes, and next thing you know, it's all like like after that, Palou pretty much said that the entire rest of the way after that, essentially. Yeah, um, he was faster on his old red tires at the start than Pato was on his brand new tires. Yeah. We put this guy in a Ganassi and he was going to do great things. I didn't realize it was going to happen this quick. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know, I, we have to give some credit to one RJ O'Connell up here because like, it was RJ that, that talked about just how good this kid was before he even turned the wheel in IndyCar. Oh, and, uh, and obviously, my lack of knowledge of Japanese motorsport in general, um, I wasn't aware of Pulu and how good he was going to be and he he's ticking every box and he's he's been here for one season and change RJ um, and I watched him win a race in, in Super Formula in his rookie season in the worst conditions you could possibly imagine and he broke the field over his knee that day in his, his rookie kid is year special with a team that hadn't been competitive for for many many years and he just went in and immediately won Rookie of the Year, competed for the championship all the way to the end. Remember, this is a guy mm -hmm. who's the same age as Matt Verstappen and had a trajectory that was kind of similar, going straight out of karting, where he won a lot of titles, right into Formula 3 slash Euro Formula Open, but, of course, didn't have the same trajectory thereafter. Races in GP3, bounces back between Japan, Europe, and Japan again until he comes to IndyCar. And I'll tell you, he's he's proving to be an inspired choice. 
Um, first Spanish winner since Oriol Servia in Montreal in 2005. You know, when he said he had a better shot at winning than Fernando Alonso, some people laughed. Who's laughing now? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, any opportunity we can get to dunk on a Fernando Alonso quote, I will happily accept with open arms. I'm like, I like Alex Pelu now. <laughs> I like him even more. <laughs> Sorry, King. Um, <laughs> but, uh, like... It was an outstanding drive. It really was. It was like, and he was under a lot of late pressure because it's like the Imperial Guard was right behind him at the end ah, of that yes, race. Yes, the olds are closing in. Yeah, it was like Power and Dixon, are... and I'm just like, uh oh, here we go. It, it's it's... <laughs> Will Power as well with as much push to pass as he could save during the race. I don't think he laid off of that button for the entire final lap, but he just couldn't quite get there. Yeah, um, and if anything, I think they actually underdid it on the push to pass, but they were marginal on fuel, so they, they, he couldn't, he couldn't go all the way on the button like he would have liked to have done, so, um, only finished about a second off in the end. It was, it was a very close running thing, but even King appreciated the fact the man was weaving on the home straight going over oh the line God. with a car only a second behind them. I'm like, this kid is stunting on them. I'm like, stunt on these hoes. I was like, what do you got? I think the kids oh, are all right. Goodness. I think the kids are all right is the lesson that we're learning two races into the IndyCar season. Hmm. We have our name for the episode. You're, like, you're you're better than mine. Fun fact: I was going to call this one "Basic Pertonomics." The kids are all right. I think is actually a better name. So I think no, we'll go no, with I, that. I think I think we're going to go with the original title of this episode. Adios. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! Oh yeah! We King, it. King, 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 say that without crying. <laughs> um, it's yeah, okay. I, I forgot we were going to call it that on our Discord server. Well played. Well played, King. Very, very, very good indeed. And yeah, just like that win, incredible, awesome stuff. And let's not forget, we'll get into the full breakdown in just a second, but uh, Alex Pelot leads the championship after two rounds. It's a very close-running championship right now, but uh, more on that in just a second. But uh, yeah, it's... it's uh, the youth is here. They have arrived in force, and uh, mm. it's going to be uh, a, a a telling sign over the course of 2021 about how this is going. Because, like I said, if last year was anything to go by, um, the the kids are here. They are extremely fast, and they are going to ruffle some feathers of the old guard. And that is fantastic for a series that you know is always about trying to build new stars and it's been mentioned numerous times and how we, they've dropped the ball on some dudes here and there and yeah they've got a whole batch of brilliant young talents look, in there now <laughs> look you don't need that formerly seal master sponsored clown for your series <laughs> you don't need to the rest of your youngins are good enough. You're exactly. trying to pick up the ball for some other driver, and it turns out the the ball is just a pile of septic sludge. Yeah, it's which today cool. is concentrated runoff from outside Barber Motorsports Park. Beautiful, like Ken. Uh, <laughs> very. Good. I want to talk about Rex. Yes, we have to. Uh, we many an incident these first yeah. two races. Yeah. Uh, I think we should start with race one, lap one. <laughs> Not a good Down the field, uh, Joseph Newgarden Joseph. loses it over one of the crests. Uh, he didn't actually hit the grass until the crash was well underway. Spun in front of the field and wiped out not only himself, 
But as follows. <clears throat> Colton Herta, winner of race two. <laughs> He's playing catch-up. Um, Jimmy Johnson is involved in the carnage, although he does uh, escape it. Ryan Hunter Ray took a tire to his arrow screen, and without said arrow screen, I don't think Ryan Hunter Ray is here anymore. <laughs> Thanks, IndyCar. And Felix Rosenquist. Time at McLaren has not started particularly well. No. It, it's a it's a bad sign when Rosenquist's race ends within like a few hundred meters and his teammates just going on competing for a podium, potentially a race mm. win. Hmm. Indeed, big old rack. It was one of the, it was the old classic NASCAR joke of green flag and the caution comes out, and I'm just like, oh, and not you, you, not the best way to restart the the uh, reclaim the one campaign. No, <laughs> no. Oh yeah, like and this it's one of the people that you just don't expect it from. New Garden is so good and so consistent and just That's so good at this track. How yeah, he's excellent happen? round barber as well. Nothing but excellent there. Just yeah, just just lost it coming over the crest. Spins out, takes half a dozen cars with him. It was uh, crazy. There was some also some interesting scenes. As like we saw like, Graham Rahal driving at like five miles an hour to avoid some of the beached cars in front of him. That was a that was a wild one, and that that set the tone for the rest of Barber. Thankfully, everybody was okay, especially in Hunter Ray's case because uh, yeah. we didn't see it in real time. It was more I think Hunter Ray put it out on his Twitter account, um, a screenshot of the incident, and I saw it for myself, and I was just like, I had to like I had to take a deep breath when I saw that because I was like. That's clean over the front of the car, and uh, it's clean over his head. Yeah, yeah. And uh, if that aero screen wasn't there, um, God knows what could have happened on that one. And so, that is uh, why it's there. And the naysayers will continue to be mad. And I say to you, remain mad. Please do. Um, St. Pete had a few more incidents of what we call clumsy driving as well. Oh, yeah. There was. There was one that pissed me off in particular. You can probably guess which one. Um, oh. The return of an old. It was not a good day for your man, the elected town official. Oh. Yeah, I mean, first lap of a restart, and the old catchphrase starts burning through my retinas as Takuma Sato takes a lunge at the opening corner on Hinchcliffe, and then. He smacks him in a very precise spot that knocks the valve out of Hinchcliffe's tire and immediately deflates it. I'm just like, come that, on! That precision, that precision <laughs> of that takedown. Like, um, yeah, James Hinchcliffe was not best pleased about this um, <laughs> and posted on social media after the fact a picture of his car and the caption... Sautoed in all caps. <laughs> that wasn't even, a, a, and that was, and it wouldn't even end there because him and Ed Jones, the new Seal Master driver, <laughs> the other one, <laughs> mounts him in the middle of the of the, the chicane sequence. Mm, I'm just like, I, oh I come on! I, I didn't know. I didn't know we were going to get some. Uh, NSFW content in this IndyCar season. Uh, um, let me just un undo another button here. Um, no, but... Um, so yeah. Someone keep Paul Tracy far, far away from any shoe stores. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
it was it was a rough day for James. Let's think, you know, like Ed Jones has a clumsy one, and next thing you know, he's over the top of Hinchcliffe's car. He was already a lap down from the damage he'd taken from the Sato incident. He's just trying to drive clean and salvage whatever points he can get from a bad day at the office, and next thing you know, he's mounted by Ed Jones. Um, who has now been demoted again to struggling Emirati. Um, he's no longer British again. We're, we're, make, we're making that point again. This is an executive decision by me, and no one will argue with me on this one. Um, <laughs> that was uh, rough. At least, the, but the big clash that we had in that St. Pete race was two old t- title contenders and rivals, Graham Rahal and Alex Rossi, who... What, what was this? It was it was wheel banging into the you know, the, 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 the the turn four hard right. Uh, they bang wheels. Rossi refuses to yield. They bang wheels again. They both end up in the wall. Well, Rossi yeah. couldn't yield. His tire was mm. cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we had one driver say if gap car and one driver say if car bet. Again, it, it was not <laughs> great from. It was not great from either of them, to be honest. Yeah, to be fair, Rossi was more was like Rossi, you know, had his tire cut. So at that point, he's a passenger, and unfortunately, yeah. not knowing what's about to happen. But it wasn't. It was an audacious lunge from Rahal that was pretty low percentage, I think, by by the grand grounds. Because we all know Rossi races people hard. He always has. Um, yeah. And Graham Rahal is another guy that will always race you hard. And well. <laughs> Unfortunately, these things happen. Um, as mentioned earlier, Rossi was two laps down after that. He was eventually able to reverse out of it, but uh, uh, his race was effectively ruined, as was Graham's. He would uh, he, he would limp home as well with a damaged car. Um, although, 15th in the end, he had to find the exact spot on that. But uh, yeah, it was rough, to say the least, on that one. Um, Rossi unfortunately kind of picking up where he left off um, last season which is just brutal circumstances he, he didn't really do an awful lot wrong in that incident um, besides maybe not, maybe be a bit hard in defending and then of course Ty gets cut one of those things um, shall we talk about some of the rookies so far as well before we uh, move into our the three section? super rookies who interestingly enough are all older than both of our yeah. race winners. Yeah, you know, exactly. 27-year-old Scott McLaughlin, 35-year-old Romain Grosjean, and 45-year-old Jimmy Johnson. All Indeed. having various seasons of uh, various fortunes. Romain Grosjean, we mentioned, 10th on his debut at Barber in a coin car. Yeah, I think he qualified 7th as well. I mean, he was. He, I think he only just missed out on a fast 6 spot. He was very quick, right out of the oh. gate at uh, bar- uh, Barber. Looked like he belonged. And that's a, a a heck of an endorsement for a for a first time outfit. I mean, everyone will tell you like, and if anything, we'll get to Jimmy in a minute. But if Jimmy is proving one thing, is that these cars are hard. You know, these cars are not easy. Uh, a lot of people will uh, say Gr- they. Grosjean are. has been mm. blown away with the physical strain these cars are putting on him. Mm. He said um, mm. the second race at St. Pete is the hardest thing he has ever done in a racing. Car. Oh yeah, and. And his result at St. Pete was kind of more coming down to earth, but, you know, it's good that Romain Grosjean is back in a place where he can be competitive once again, because he hasn't consistently had that. 
in about seven or eight years. Yeah, he would have, uh, I think he would have run his own grandmother over for uh, a seventh place finish last year in that uh, artist formerly known as Rich Energy Haas F1 team. Yeesh. Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, it's 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 been a tough look. It's a tough learning curve for Romain so far. But I mean, tenth and thirteenth really, you know, really isn't all that bad in the grand scheme of things. It's pretty good. I would even go as far as to say. Um, and if you remember, he's not running to... for a a Ganassi or a Penske. This is a as far as for, as far as IndyCar teams go. One of the minnows he's mm. pulling. Pretty solid results from him. Yeah. I'd love to know what you guys make of Scotty McLaughlin so far um, as well, because he's in the middle of the road. It's very similar results. They're literally lying astern in the championship right next to each other. 14th and 11th so far for McLaughlin. Um, you know, like, obviously they've got to be patient with him. You know, this is only yeah. his, his third ever race in the series. He did, he did he cameoed at St. Pete at the end of last year. Um, mm-hmm. That didn't go so well for him, but... Um, so far, not bad at all. You know, certainly again, fast. Not bad. Yeah, I the think... speed has been very impressive. The results mm. maybe don't show that. I think that first top ten is just around the corner. Remember, this is a driver who hasn't raced single seaters competitively in over a decade. His only such experience, according to his wiki page, is Formula Fords back when he was first getting started. Other than that, <laughs> he has yeah. no prerequisite single-seater experience. Nothing. It's all been tin tops. It's all been supercars. And I know those things are pretty fast, but IndyCar is a whole different ball game. And in that respect, I think Scott McLaughlin is actually exceeding expectations. Yeah, I really? think he's doing a great job. I think it. I think a lot of it speaks to the quality of the IndyCar field that's already there, that you know, established excellent drivers from other series, one of which being Formula One. Yeah. And supercars, there is a learning curve. They are having to find that this is a very different, uh, a very different car, very different physical demands on the body. I mean, um, Herda actually debuted an innovation for, with Andretti that really helped them out. They actually have cool suits in their cars now. Oh. Huh. Didn't know they Which, had that. Uh, on, on a day like they had at St. Pete in sweltering temperatures and humidity, that matters. Yes, Florida. You keep your driver fresh. That's a that's a quantifiable advantage late in a race. Yeah. It's like, Florida. So, the Monaco of the United mm. States. <laughs> yeah. So I think, <laughs> I think the results will come for both of them. I think that we just got to give them some time. Yeah. Uh, Scott's in a great position to succeed because he has the right Absolutely. team around him. Of course. of course, and he's really and what a livery! Oh yeah, oh yeah, that PP Jude car is good, beautiful. Jimmy Johnson is Ew. having fun for a forty-five-year-old rookie who has, who again comes from a much different background. He's gaining experience. He seems like he's genuinely enjoying a new challenge in his career. That's really good. Let's just ignore the results and how far he's finishing behind everybody. It's it's fine. It's fine. Okay. We don't have to worry about I, it. Oh, mm, you know, Jimmy Johnson until this year, I can't remember the last time he was in a car without a solid rear axle. He, perhaps more than anyone else who's come into this series, is coming from a completely different bra- background of car. Mm. One where he was, you know, pretty solid, a uh, seven-time 
NASCAR Cup Series champion. It's right. a whole nother ball game here. Mm. But this year, in DPI, other than a couple of incidents he had, he was relatively pretty close to his teammates. In IndyCar, we'll see how things play out. First race wasn't too bad. I actually thought for the first race he did relatively well, yeah. given his situation. Mm. Second race, not so much. Yeah, it, it's feel like his second race, there was... He had an off, and it seemed to just... Every mistake that he made just seemed to compound itself. Yeah, once he fell out of his rhythm, he had a really rough time. I think he finished, like, five laps down. Yeah, that's... Um, that's not very I'm Jimmy not, I'm not saying hit... Pa- yeah, I'm not saying to panic yet, but... If this continues for a couple more races, then I'll start to worry. That's fair. It's early days, and again, it's, it's a tough one. It was. It, I was gutted when he spun out there, um, just past turn, uh, just past turns two and three, and uh, yeah, that brought out one of the late cautions. And uh, yeah. yeah, the fact he was basically pointing the other way. Uh, I want Jimmy to succeed. This is a fantastic opportunity for the series for American motorsport in general to have Jimmy yeah. Johnson in IndyCar. It's 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 a it's a supreme opportunity, and it's a win for everybody involved. I, I, want him to come good. It would be a win for everybody if he was really good at this. And, uh, you know, I, I hope he gets there. Um, I'm delighted to see guys like him try their hand in other series. You've seen him over in sports cars as well. And, you know, that's great. It, it's, 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 it's curious. It's, it's inspiring to see. I just hope, fingers crossed, it works out for Jimmy in the long more, run. More, more people doing more things in motorsport, especially series that we engage in and enjoy is objectively a good thing absolutely never a bad thing to see that happen so hopefully fingers crossed jimmy gets it in gear soon all right full look at the championship briefly before we get into uh the news as cam prepares he's loading the shotgun barrel as we speak um (laughs) it's like he's having a good time now and there um it's very close in the championship not surprising after two races but alex palou leads the championship with 67 points Yes, you did hear that correctly. Will Power is joint second with uh, Scott Dixon. They're both on 65 points. Yes, you're shocked. Scott Dixon in title contention. Uh, Colton Herter Herter in fourth with 62 points. And Simon Pagano in fifth on 54. By the way, that Australian gold livery. Oh, oh. The goldest car there ever was or will be. Everybody laughed oh because God. they didn't put the Australian gold sponsorship on Australian driver Will Power. I no. just say, you know, that's relieving Will Power of extra pressure. <laughs> Plus, that yeah, um, Pagano actually five G logo on the side instead. Yeah, that that worked. <laughs> Why are they out here advertising COVID? <laughs> Stop it, uh, fi- Pagano! Uh, finally. Finally came good in qualifying for like the first time in two years. <laughs> oh. And he converted it into a good result. Like it's a win. Cam, Cam's coming back. Shall we shall we crush his spirit? Um shall we, shall we talk about some news real quick? I, yeah. I think we should. Um, um Of course. Um we talked about it on episode two ninety nine, but Assemble, not Constantinople is taking the place of the Canadian Grand Prix, which is cancelled. Turkish Grand Prix is back June 13th. Please have the surface uh, prepared better. 
this time. Or worse. Please. You know, we will or worse. Had last Lance Stroll might get that win he lost last year. We never know. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? But yes, Turkey is back at June 13th slot. Should be fun. Uh, Turkey is back, to... just like Thanksgiving dinner. Just a bit early in the season. Yeah, for I, that, I so don't want to talk about poultry right now. <laughs> oh. Do you, do you, do you, do you want, want to talk about sports cars instead, Cameron? Hmm. Uh, didn't oh, we have another news subject? We're, this we're talking about it on the next show. Yeah, yeah. We're, oh, we're talking about that Oh, you guys <laughs> fucked me. I have to talk about it earlier than I wanted. Yeah, sorry Come about on, that. Buddy. I, thought, I thought I'd unlock the trap door underneath your seat there, buddy. Um, All right, well, um, everyone, go uh, get your beers, get your lawn chair, uh, get your... Um, Lo-fi beats. Now I'm going to go 15 minutes. You got 15 minutes. You can get this wrapped up. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Director King um, has, put, has put him on the clock. <laughs> tell him what's happening, on the clock. Tell now, what's I won't be Spock. alone in this rant. I won't be alone in this rant. For the listeners on the show who were there for my first appearance on the show, the Lamont 2019 preview episode. Yes, Dre, put, put, put it away, put it away. <laughs> you remember my initial rant that I brought to you about the future regulations and the top class of world endurance sports car racing, world sports car championship. My concerns about how they would balance these cars, what these cars would be like in terms of lap time. And in our most recent... As of this recording, we just had our first sanctioned test for these we new Le Mans hypercars. Because the six hours of Frankershaw. Yeah, because their season opener is this weekend. So by the time this episode comes out, you'll have already watched the first race of the FIA World Endurance Championship. Cam, how did this first test go? What did we learn? What secrets did we did were unfolded upon us? Did they bounce well, right? Brace yourselves. Well, um, it seems that between the new car, the Toyota GR010, hmm. and the Alpine, I can't believe it's not a Rebellion R13, I can't <laughs> believe it's not a Orica 07, it's pretty good. They're reasonably close on lap time, despite making their lap time in very different ways. And that's good. We love that. We love that competitive balance, especially when you consider that these cars will be definitively faster everywhere they go. Compared to all the other classes, right? Right. Well, um, about that, that, RJ. <laughs> LMA Hypercar did not top this test. What? Because despite multiple horsepower reductions, a weight increase, and a mandate forcing LMP2 teams to use their ultra low drag LMA aero kits, a LMP2 was faster on ultimate lap time than either of these new hypercar entries. Ah, uh, surely that was just for one session while they feel things out, right? Uh, that's just a uh, deal. Uh, um, this continued throughout the entire test. Now, the hypercars did eventually get to the top of the timesheets, but they did not eventually eclipse the top time of the week, which, again, was set by an LMP2 car. So... What if, hear me out, what if Toyota was sandbagging? 
<laughs> I feel well, like you're going to him on here, guys. <laughs> we, we thought that they were going to be sandbagging. And of course they're sandbagging, at least a little bit. I mean, it's a BOP class. But you know what you can't sandbag? And, um, writer for DSC and seemingly man after my very own heart, Graham Goodwin. My boss. Wrote an enraged article on DSC. <laughs> enraged. I love that. <laughs> describing how he was watching these hypercars, which are ballasted up to their minimum weight, rolling and porpoising through corners under their own weight. Yikes. To the extent that, despite having an enormous horsepower advantage over the now extensively crippled LMP2 cars, <laughs> they were losing so much time through Sector 2, sometimes up to two seconds a lap through Sector 2 at Spa, where the wiggly bits are, that... Despite having that horsepower advantage, they're slower over a lap at Spa. The power track to end all power tracks that isn't named Lamar or uh, Monza. Mm. I, I have RJ. Well, RJ, I, have, I got nothing. I, I, I can read you a snippet from the end of this uh, this article. It says, The raw data shown for the test should be clearly visible to the team responsible for balance of performance, and either way, there seems to be no reason whatsoever for a further knee-jerk change in LP2 performance at this point. Which, by the way, I don't have a huge problem with them taking power off the LMP2 cars in principle because both myself and supporter to uh, show Sasha agree that, like, maybe 600 horsepower is a bit too much for a class that's in part driven I, by, I agree with you that know, wholeheartedly. dentists, mm. hashtag dentist drivers. Teams should yeah, be punished um, I for showing I remember Townsend Bell. I remember Townsend Bell, uh describing it in his first race in Lamar 2017 of handing a crazy guy an AK-47. Uh, teams should not be punished for showing their speed, and the LMP2 teams were doing what they could to dial their cars into a package that none have had the opportunity to sample here before. The increased rate, reduced power, mandated low downforce error kit coming just over three weeks ago. So all that got dropped on them. Uh, yeah. Um, the, yeah, but the, RJ. The Alpine can't switch the tires on, and the Toyota is... Rolling through the corners. Visible body roll in a contemporary sports prototype. And <laughs> where this all goes back to is when, when, when these regulations were being drafted up, initially they had one set. Toyota committed to it. And that was it. There wasn't enough appeal in these regulations to get more companies on board. Mm. And then they retooled them, and no one bit. And then they retooled them again, and increased the minimum weight, and increased the maximum power. That got Aston Martin involved. You have to remember, Aston Martin was going to compete with a road-based car, a car based on the Valkyrie. Yeah! Yeah! Wait, how Not did they do in the speaking, test? Well, well um... <laughs> they... <laughs> Well, um, they, they they saw the LMDH regulations, and those are an entire separate side story to this that I won't get into in this particular rant. <laughs> but they saw that, well, we could just buy an LMDH customer car and not spend $3.2 million U.S. million on a Valkyrie race car. 
and uh, canned the entire program because they were going to fund it via customer car sales. Oh, at way too damn much per car, by the way, but that's neither here nor there. Way too goddamn yeah. much. So now you have a set of regulations that you've already had to reset your car designs because you were already designing a car to the first set of the regulations. To the point where Glickenhaus had to throw away their entire engine and build a new one. And Toyota had to jack up the weight on their car. And... <laughs> they've dropped these cars to crippled LMP2 pace. Visible body roll. Visible porpoising. Unable to switch their tires on because they can't put enough energy through them. Other than that, it's all great. that were... Ill-conceived in the first place that no one wanted to bite on, you created regulations to pander to a manufacturer that bailed on you anyway. Yeah. And now you've got regulations that appeal to none of the manufacturers. Toyota and Alpine are incensed about this. Toyota demanding changes to LMP2. LMP2, well, what do LMP2 do? Philippe Albuquerque, who I think is a decent authority on the subject. I mean, he yeah. kind of won the 24 Hours of Daytona this Trip year. In the all final manner stint. of sports prototypes over the last decade. Yeah, and uh, Aunt Davidson, who's driven pretty much everything under the oh, sun. Oh, we at this know point. he's good. Yeah, um, saying that the cars are borderline undrivable because there isn't enough downforce to make the car work with Lamar oh. Arrow around Spa. And we haven't even touched what they're probably going to need to do with the GTE cars, which may or may not be a dying category because there are still too many GTE cars on the market to just scrap them in favor of GT3, but nobody else is getting into GTE now. It's all great. (laughs) Wait, it goes back to two main things with these cars. And one, one of them is weight. Weight adds... You add weight, you add lap time, but it's not linear. It's not just you add this amount of weight, it slows the car down by this much. It affects everything. It affects your reliability. It affects how you set up the car. It affects how you can work the tires. Yeah, because if you add weight to the car, it accelerates slower. If it can't reach the same top speeds, it can't generate the same amount of downforce it normally would. And it kind of just stacks and stacks and stacks. Yeah. 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 And it's, they're, they're too heavy. And today I learned this, and um, the the runner of the Mulzahn's Corner Facebook group and the we- the website, which has long since been more or less disused, but taught me most of what I know about racing car design. It made me a lot into the racing fan I am today. Talked about it at length today in his Facebook group. Four to one lift to drag. The, the mandate for Le Mans hypercar. For every four pounds of downforce it has to make, it has it can make one pound of drag. LMP2s have been over five to one for years. Mm-hmm. This, this goes back to the 2017 hard reset. Way before that. Even before, even before then. When we had LMP2s giving LMP1s bloody noses in the late ALMS era. We have cars... In the top class that are explicitly designed to be less aero efficient than their sister category. Significantly heavier than their sister category. And despite all that power, despite spending millions and millions of dollars on brand new car designs with next to no carryover from old LMP1, 
They're no faster on a lap than a crippled version of a car that you can buy for half a million U.S. dollars. Yeah. That is almost a spec series, because if you're not in an Orica, what are you really doing there? And the thing is that this is entirely conceivable. That it, it is not out of the realm of possibility. You can't say that no one saw this coming. Where it's like, hey, we're going to fund... I saw this coming two years ago! We're going to fundamentally change the top class of international sports car racing without thinking of any of the possible repercussions to any other class that also needs to race on the same on the same piece of track but as, don't worry. as but this don't class. Worry. But don't worry, this is gonna be the like the golden age of GT one all over again, said all the old heads until it turned out to actually not be that. So Didn't that golden have... age of GT1 end with a Mercedes flying off into the tree but line? It, it wanted to be everything under the sun. It wanted to be the golden age of 90s, late 90s GT1. It wanted to be late 60s prototype racing. It's like, we need to go back to more GT-inspired cars, despite the second Class being still prototypes. <laughs> Nothing could go wrong here. Wait, not enough people are adopting this new class, so those old prototypes, guess what? They're still gonna be around too and need to race alongside this. Oh my god, what could happen? And guess what, King? That Alpine, which is a year old rebellion dressed up in its Lamar era with less power and more weight, that car set. A mid-three-teens lap at Le Mans last year. For a non-hybrid car, that is almost incomprehensible. But, like, again, we're also and seeing... And this year at Spa, they are slower than the LMP2 that they ran last oh, year. Lord. The same team. But, again, we're also seeing the repercussions where uh, they wanted to create hypercars sort of uh, a GT Plus class where it's like, yeah, you, as a driver, you could work your way up through the GT categories and eventually make your way to hypercar. And then, like, all the well, manufacturers... It was never going to work when it was going to be a mix of grandfather prototypes, new prototypes, and road cars. And let's be real, the Valkyrie is a road car <laughs> in the loosest definition possible. It, it was an ill-conceived rule set in the first place. And while I think they can tweak it and at least... Get them away from the LMP2s. It's not that easy. You prepare your cars to the regulations you're given. You can't just press a button and jack up the horsepower. You can't just yank 30 kilograms out of weight out of the car. Because then all of your testing up to this point, And testing with endurance cars is reasonably important when yeah. it's uh, got to last 24 hours. Is null and void. And you're going to have to go in and re-engineer whatever parts of the car are affected. It's not fair to the teams in the top class. It's not fair to the LMP2 teams. It's not fair to the manufacturers that haven't entered yet who are watching this conflagration go down and be like, do we really want to be involved in this? Nope. This is, it, it, even I know, and I'm not even a sports car fan, this is the worst possible outcome like that could have possibly happened for this test, where it's like, even I know... That as far as first impressions go... It's, just, it's, it's, it's it's horrific. You've basically made a, a, a top flight car that is slower than the LMP2 class behind you, where you've done you've done the hard bit. You've got all the manufacturers you could ever need on board. 
and and you could piss that away off the back of one test. Um, that's Manu- terrifying. Manufacturers on board, it's just like two teams. It's like, hey guys, don't worry, LMDH yeah, is coming to plaster over this. We got Ferrari. We LMDH got has another problem. Because LMDH is going to have to run to the same minimum weight and a similar arrow window. And more importantly than that, why would you buy a customer LMDH? It's it's a manufacturer co-developed car. It's going to be more money. Mm-hmm. Why would you buy one of those for your customer program when you can buy an LMP2 for half a million dollars and be 99% as fast? Because that's sweet. Sweet manufacturer dollar. Yeah. Like, uh, honestly, that that's where this is going. LMDH is literally the meteor, and sports car racing are the dinosaurs. Where it's it's gonna come one day and just wipe everything out. I don't want. I don't want to go through this shit again. We've had. They enough. need to. They need to figure out something quick because. LMP2 can't sustain... They can't get nerfed again. They can't. The cars are already borderline undrivable. And those are pro drivers saying that, not, you know, the uh, like, yeah. like we like to make fun of the dentists who compete in the AM categories. But isn't, isn't LMP2 gonna die soon anyway? Like, it's gonna get replaced with a different category? It's gonna get replaced with more revised LMP2s, but that's not... That's at least two years away. Yeah, that, that, we, it, I think they're willing to just hey, we'll let this ride, we'll let this play out for two years, then we'll actually fix the issue. That's that's not good. It's not good enough for anyone involved. And we had we just went through hell as far as the top sports car category worldwide. Thanks, Dieselgate. In the wake of Porsche's exit. We had Toyota steamrolling everyone, and then artificially strapping every piano they could find in the city to the Toyotas to slow them down. No one was competitive for on merit besides Toyota. Rebellion got out of motorsport, period. The Janetta program got canned because, uh, quote, I do things that I enjoy and things that make me money, and right now, WEC does neither. Yeah, um... <laughs> SMP cars, BR engineering, those kept flipping, and less said about buy callers who are still amazingly planning to make a car to these new regulations. The Good better. luck to them. Get out, get out, get out. It, it, can it? Save yourself. Colin, just go to LMP2. We've been telling you this for years. <laughs> oh my god. And what happens if you slow the LMP2 cars down again? Might as well just go to LMP3. <laughs> They're having trouble passing GTEs mean because their horsepower has been cut. I, I, did, it's did, not the fact did, that the cars did, are slower. We knew they were going to be slower because LMP1Hs were breaching the world of Formula One. And that's fine. The cars being slower is fine. They didn't need to get slowed down this much. When no. you say your lap time target around Le Mans is a 3 minute 30 and your LMP2s are doing 3 minute 25s, why? Why do you want to make the cars 15 seconds a lap slower? I don't understand that. <sighs> gotta, gotta, make, like, gotta make the cars more approachable to, to amateur drivers. 
What? There's a very good reason why the, la- <laughs> the last time we had a big slowdown in LMP1s was 2011, where they more or less took the LMP2 regs from before and made them the LMP1 regulations. But we got new LMP2s next to that. That way, they wouldn't be commingling out on track. Now, Ferrari GT cars decided to take that upon themselves in 2011. But to create this top class to the point where the cars are visibly hobbled beyond what they should be when you watch them out on track, and the LMP2s are eating them alive through Sector 2 at Spa, it's a bad look. It's a bad look for everyone. And I don't see a quick fix coming. I really don't. No, because they're, they're their quick fix is to, to get... just keep nerfing LMP2. Yeah, they're, they're... they're not sacrificing their most competitive and plentiful class. The, the thing is, there is no quick fix to this. Like, you literally have to no. start over from scratch, which yeah. you just can't do overnight. Which what I'm saying. Who's... Yeah, you're going to have to wait out these two years. It's the big yeah, reset who, who's going to break it to Toyota and SCG and Alpine? Oh, by the way, we know you we we know we screwed you over three or four times while you were developing your cars. Could you go in and re-engineer them one more time? We want to drop the minimum weight. They're going to blow their top over that. Yeah, they might just quit. Ooh, again, and like, Jim for New York has no issue. Jim for New York is already <laughs> ready to jump. He he is in stay ready mode at all times. <laughs> he never logs yeah, off. He doesn't Quote, need... <laughs> we are not afraid. Well, let me tell you, Jim, uh, you're not afraid. Where the Daytona prototype manufacturer is afraid in 2003 of a lonely blue 911 GT3. Because they should have been. Yeah. And, and the thing is, like, it doesn't matter for the teams who signed up for LMDH, because whatever happens to the World's Endurance Championship, it's always IMSA. IMSA's stable. No, but they're they're in the same situation with the cars. They're going to have to can, like, are we going to have LMP3 cars running into the back of the LMTHs? Hey, I mean. (laughs) It's fine that they're slower than the LMP1s they've replaced. They have to move the performance window of these cars back towards a 3-minute 20 at Le Mans. Yeah. And less minimum weight. Because if you cripple the LMP2s more, you're just going to get more crashes. And boy, we had quite a few during this test. Because of all the tracks to do a preseason test at, why Spa, Frank, or Shaw? You don't get small crashes at Spa, Frank, or Shaw. I'm done. I want to go take a nap and cry. (sighs) I am not the sports car guy. I only found out about this in full detail about two hours ago in the pre-show before we started recording, Cam did a, actually did a pretty remarkable job of keeping restraint to the most part during that. Mm. Um, it is a hot mess. There is no easy fix. Oh, and what, did we mention that their season starts this weekend? Oh, yeah, Lord. Yeah, and it's already been confirmed we're going to have no BOP changes. The cars will run as they did at the test. May God help us all. Um, oh, this ought, this ought to be this ought to be real interesting this weekend. Yeah, uh, and if it and if it doesn't sit well in your stomach, remember Fuji five hundred kilometers is afterwards Monday, Tuesday, Monday qualifying, Tuesday race. It'll be fine. Indeed, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and, and soon enough, uh, IMSA is going to be going to Mid Ohio, and that's that's always a good event. And you can watch prototypes that aren't. Uh, 
Shit. Just ill-conceived from the start? Yeah, th- there's a ton of motorsport on as well. We have Formula One at Portimao this weekend. Now we've added DRS! Um, that, that, that'll be fun. 2RS. Uh, no no Mo- glorious 3RS. Yep, uh, MotoGP at Jerez this weekend, including the debut for the Moto E World Cup. That'll start as well this weekend. And IndyCar has not one, but two races in Texas. Um, yeah, double header there as well, so that'll be uh, all sorts of crazy. I don't know how many episodes we're going to have to record to settle all of that. Probably about 16 of them. So, uh, King, I hope you like editing. Um, (laughs) I'll chip in if need be. Um, but, uh, that'll be a absolutely loaded weekend of motorsport. Even more loaded than last week, somehow. But here we are. Um, we're about to take a break and come back to episode 302, where we talked about a completely quiet, non-mainstream, completely fine Jake Dennis victory in Formula E. Nothing else happened, right? Right? About that. My eyes. We need, a, we need a whole... It's not a good sign in the set list I had to put, quote, feature-length segment next to something. Um, yeah. It's that Ooh. race. We'll talk about it on episode 302. Uh, basically, you can find us one more time. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Twitter, uh, Motorsport 1 underscore 101. Our handles are on the screen in the description um, right now. Harrison 101 HD, RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King, at Buckley 917 We're on Instagram at Motorsport 101 Pod. And, of course, we're on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. $5 gets you early access to all of the audio editions of the show. 10 bucks for the support us of our Discord where you can listen to these episodes live as they're being recorded and get on-demand video of all of our episodes. We'll be back with episode 302 to talk about Formula E at Valencia. And, uh, boy, we've got a lot to break down there. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison, RJ O'Connell, Ryan Eric King, and Cam Buckley's Absinthe Glass. We'll see you in a bit. Sayonara. Y'all, the uh, the word of the day is stratification. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> and uh, and Cam Buckley has just left the building. <laughs> He's off to pour himself another one, I think. Um, see you in a bit.